and welcome. You are listening to an episode of the Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. We really hope that you enjoy and benefit from this episode. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Sales Chat Show, saleschatshow.com, driving your sales success. I'm here again with Phil Jessen and Graham Jones and myself, Simon Hazeldean, and this episode we are talking about the fact that the buying process has changed, have you? And uh, this uh, conversation was inspired by Phil talking about a little piece of data, sir, that you heard on the radio. Yes, uh, there I was driving along the other day listening to Radio 4, as you do, first thing in the morning. And on the business section, wait for it, I heard a very interesting statistic. Apparently, 94% of first purchases in the B2B world, that's first purchases in the B world, B2B world are started with an online search. That is staggering, but Graham, you're probably not going to be staggered at all. I, I'm not staggered at all. No, I think that's about right. That, you know, the last few years we've seen more and more people come along and uh, start their search for anything they want to buy on the internet. And it's not just B2B, it's B2C as well. So it's across the whole spectrum of buying, people start their buying decision on the internet. And often complete that buying decision on the internet, eliminating salespeople altogether. So our listeners will now be saying, so what? So what are the so what's we need to uh, pass on to our good listeners on this one? Well, really importantly is that most sales go to the salesperson who first contacts the person wishing to buy. So there's plenty of research that shows that the first person to arrive on the doorstep, as it were, of the potential purchaser is more likely to get the sale than any subsequent people. So it's Because what you're doing is you're showing that potential buyer that you are really interested in them. You're so interested in them that you've made the effort to come and try and sell to them. And you're educating them as well, yeah. presumably. So here's the problem, that if they're starting their first journey into potentially buying from you on the internet, there's a chance that your competitors are going to be that first person to arrive. So what you've got to do in any business these days is to capture all kinds of data from people visiting your websites, visiting your social media platforms to make sure that you have the opportunity to get to them before anybody else. So you've got to know who's on your website. You've got to know who they are, where they're from, what they're interested in. You've got to collect data and then approach them. And what perceptions they might be building up about uh, us. Yeah, because also your data will tell you what other websites they're visiting. So you'll be able to see which website they were at before they came to you. So were they on Google or were they on a competitor's website? And you can also see where they went to. Are they going to Google to search again because you haven't got what they want? Or are they going to a com- competitor's website? Where are they going? So if I'm listening to this, how how do I do that? I mean, it may not be me, obviously, as the salesperson, sales manager, sales director, but what would my organisation company need to yeah, here's, do? Here's what happens in organisations. They go, we need analytics. And so analytics is not really analytics these days. It's what people think is analytics. It's just measurement. So measurement is not analytics. Yeah. So they're measuring stuff 
on the internet because you can measure everything. You can measure where they were on the page, what did they click on, where did they scroll to, you know, every bit of data you can measure. But that's not analytics. And what happens is I was at a business oh, about a year ago, uh, medium-sized manufacturing company earning about £20 million a year, and they had a monthly meeting where they were with their web suppliers looking at analytics. And I asked them, you know, who's in this meeting? Well, it was the chief executive, it was the marketing director, it was the sales director, it was um, the technical um, manager, website manager. Uh, yeah, half a dozen people from the business were in this monthly meeting together with their web suppliers who, and they went through graph after graph of all the measurements from their website. So they knew exactly how many people from Peru came at half past four in the morning. Really useful, not information. And I said, so what do you do with this information? They go, what do you mean, what do we do? And I said, so you know all this information about people who visit your website, what do you do? And they didn't do anything with it, and they had this monthly meeting, which we worked out was costing the business about £50,000 a year just to look at charts and tables. And so one of the first things the chief executive did was cancel that meeting. Mm. Because that's not analytics. Analytics is taking that measurement and analysing it so that you can work out what's happening. So what salespeople need from their web team is data that says, where are these people coming from? What are they interested in? What was their journey through the website? Because then the salesperson can profile that person and go, aha, from my experience, I know that the person who came here, went there and did this, is just the kind of person who wants to buy product X or Y. Or might be technically influenced or product influenced yeah, so they've or read, customer influenced. They've read this kind of article They've been and they haven't looked at product data sheets so they're not technically minded. Mm. This person has looked at seven product data sheets. They really want to know the, the technical detail. So you're, that's what analytics is. It's looking at the measurements and turning that into something. So what that means is that instead of the web people just coming up with web measurement, that web measurement needs analysing by the salespeople. To find out what's, to find really, out what's really, really going on and what's driving yeah. driving the buying. And often you're surprised. Decision. Yes, that yes. The, the people doing that journey online are very different to the kind of people you thought were visiting you online. Because this actually really relates to, to <clears throat> something um, happened with me over the last two days. I'm running a, a seminar for a client, a two-day seminar for non-sales people who are now becoming involved in the commercial process and helping them to get a little bit more comfortable with uh, being involved in <clears throat> sales meetings with, with customers. And um, one of the exercises I did with them was around understanding the customer's buying process and then how your selling process relates. And I got one of the participants to talk me through a car that they just bought recently. So on a flip chart at the front of the room, half of the flip chart, I had the guy's buying process for his car, the stages he went through. And then one of the other people in the room, a scientist, had bought a fairly expensive piece of capital equipment for their lab. And I got him to outline the buying process on the other side of the flip chart. And then we looked at where on the flip chart the customer actually, they as a customer, made contact with a salesperson for the first time. And it was about 50 to 60% of the way through the car buying process. They actually went into a garage. And it was 75% of the way through with the piece of capital equipment before they actually contacted a supplier. So potentially what you're saying, 
is that might allow you to get a bit earlier in the process. Quite, and the earlier you get in, the better. And, and, and that's, that's exactly the kind of the point I was making yesterday. The earlier you're involved in the buying process, obviously the more influence you mm. have and the greater your chances of success. But if you're just on the receiving end of a, a request that's gone out to three or four potential suppliers, your influence is relatively limited. But as a salesperson, if I now know that uh, I appear in the process 50% of the way along, then clearly I need to find out from my prospect, maybe, um, how much do you know about us? Or maybe what have you heard about us? Uh, And to just establish some of those facts and feelings before I say anything about uh, why I'm actually there. Because I think many, many companies' sales processes, uh, firstly, many of them are very influenced by, I think we've mentioned this on another episode of the Sales Chat Show, a book written in 1925 called The Psychology of Selling Life Insurance by uh, E.K. Strong. And a lot of the sales processes are based on a pre-internet world yeah. where the customer is expecting you to come in and educate them on your product and or, or your, the, what, what of products are available in the market. Whereas now they know and they've done all of this research before you enter the equation as a salesperson and they, they're very informed. And also potentially sometimes I guess they might be a bit misinformed or a bit confused by what they've found as well. So definitely what's happened is that power relationship has changed. 20 years ago, the salesperson had the power because they had the ability to decide which information the purchaser got. They decided what order it went in. They decided what they educated them about the competition, about the products, because the salesperson just needed this product and here was a company who did it and that's all they knew. Mm. Whereas now, they know everything about the company, the competition, the products. They've been onto forums. They've been onto social media. The power is now in the hands of the buyer. That's a dramatic shift in the sales-buyer relationship in the last 20 years. Mm. And, and that's the reality. And that's not likely to change no. ever or anytime soon. So salespeople need to be adapting their approach, doing exactly what Phil is suggesting. First of all, finding out what on earth the customer knows about them and their views and their views so far which is a you know new a new whole new way of working i think for some for some salespeople. and i think one thing that's really important with that that given the fact that these purchasers know so much that it, the salesperson's role now is about adding value to that information yeah so what value can you add as a salesperson and we need to think about that because if you think about the future of salespeople's jobs there are going to be fewer of them because lots of this can be automated. So you can automate that journey. You can see what people are interested in. You can pop up little automated boxes that say, I can see you're interested in product X. If you buy it now, here's a discount code. And but no salesperson has got in the way. Software has done it. And you're going to see lots of that happening which means the opportunity for sales intervention by a salesperson is going to be about adding that detailed value to that customer and giving them a real helping hand yeah. in making their purchasing decision rather than just selling. And I think some of, the, some of the things that we would see as classic sales practice, like really understanding the client's context, situation, needs, challenges, etc., has as much validity as it always has because... I think sometimes, and I think this also does does relate to a certain extent to the, the very good research that informed the book The Challenger Sale, is that sometimes the customers think 
they know what they want and they don't necessarily because they maybe don't have the depth of expertise that you have as a sales professional. So this is where your consultative skills come in to help the customer to make a really good decision is almost not selling it's helping them to make that yeah. decision and making it's sure offering alternatives they're... isn't it very often but yes. still giving the customer the uh, the power yes. to choose a b or c that maybe they weren't aware of b or c until we mentioned it yeah and that's, i think it is um you know there are limitations to what customers can find out as well online yeah. as well because you know obviously not all of the not all of the information they need is necessarily online or easy to find or access it depends on industry obviously and you're depending on their search skills and most people's search skills are really poor actually yes so people search badly a lot of the time and end up with bad results as a uh, because of that and so that you know as a professional salesperson you would have searched for things in a entirely different way to some customers mm. and therefore you'd have found out information that they will never find out because they didn't use the right search terms and this might sound like a slightly obvious thing to say or to suggest as an action to people listening, but probably at a minimum, you need to know what your company has on its websites about your products and services. Because um, let's be honest, how likely are you to visit your own company's website very often? It's not designed for you, but you do need to know what your customers are seeing so that you're... Uh, and yeah. what they might be reading in the trade press, what they might yep. be looking at on the B2B version of TripAdvisor, for example, within that sector. Yep. And obviously your main competitor website as well. Yeah. I think you do need to be visiting that on a, a regular basis. Maybe setting up a Google Alert for your competitors as well sometimes so that if they do make any changes, you get notified about it and you can, you can see it. It's amazing how people don't look at their own websites. I was with a client recently and they wanted to know how why was it that their competitors seemed to have more followers and so on on social media than they did when they were the market leaders in this sector and uh, I only took one look at their website and saw one obvious thing um, straight away and the obvious thing was that on their homepage there were no social media icons there was no Twitter icon no Facebook icon and so on and their competitor had got them at the top of the page and the bottom of the page and I just went in and said well one of the reasons is because you don't make it easy for people to follow you because there's no social media icons on your website and they went aren't there and these were the marketing people who were responsible for the website who had no idea that their own website didn't have social media icons on in the market leader in a business that's earning hundreds of millions I mean 700 million pound business didn't know what was on their own website which is probably more common than you might yeah. imagine. So guess, for salespeople, it? it's essential you know what's on your website because your customers do. And if you're a marketeer and you're listening to this and you're responsible for the website content and you make some changes, please let the sales team please let the sales team know you're doing it as well, which is uh, be very embarrassing if you go into a meeting and the customer knows more about one of your new company product launches than you do, yep. that would uh, that would be an instant <laughs> loss of instant loss of credibility, wouldn't it? So, um, is there anything else you think in terms of that uh, change to the buying process, change to the power relationship that, that will be an action for people to take, guys? I think one of the things that I've noticed, and maybe this stems from two thousand and eight and the financial crash, if you want to call it that. Um, I think decision making processes have become broader. I think very often now it's three or four people, not one. 
Uh, and also, I think, um, uh, today, people have a need for more proof than they did before. Mm. So that, of course, means that we need some compelling, no-brainer, wow testimonials yeah. in our armoury to offer that proof from <clears throat> an existing batch of happy clients. And that still remains an absolutely rock-solid way of influencing people. All the data, all the research shows that they are incredibly, incredibly effective. And obviously having those online as part of your online collateral, your marketing collateral, really, really good yeah. thing to do. Video testimonials, written testimonials, case studies, white papers, etc. They need to have something to find about you online as well that's really powerful. There's also one other thing that's really useful to salespeople online, and that is this instant pop-up chat that you yes. often see in the bottom right-hand corner of websites. Lots of research on those varying statistics, but all showing that when you have that pop-up chat, you dramatically increase the number of sales and the conversion rate on your, your website. So that, I mean, the lowest figure I've seen is about 25% um, yeah. uplift in sales wow. as a result of that. And so, um, but that needs to be run by salespeople. It doesn't need to go to marketing or to a call center. It needs to be, you know, here are people who are visiting your website who are looking at your products and services. They need now to a salesperson to knock on their door saying I see you're interested in mm. product X, Y, or Z. is there anything I can help you with so, so it's a bit like the person in the retail store they can see you in you know an, a, you know, a household goods store that you are looking at irons um, and they come up to you and say you know is there anything I can help you with about you know choice of irons or coffee makers or whatever it is you're looking for a good salesperson will come up and ask you that because they've watched what you're doing they watch what you're interested in, they've seen what you've hovered by, and they can start steering you into making that buying decision that's good for you and good for them. We need to do the same online. We need salespeople to see what's going on, to witness that in real time, and for that little sales chap to come up and say, you know, I can see you're interested in product X, is there anything I can help you with? And so if you're a business owner, an MD, a sales director, marketing director listening to this, Maybe that's something you need to be exploring. And yeah. it sounds like you do need to have someone who's a real good quality salesperson, one of your internal sales team yeah. perhaps, who is sitting there, who's really knowledgeable yeah. and, move, and move in on that. Because there is an expression, I think um, I think I heard it first from the, uh, the American uh, marketeer, Joe Vitale, who said, money loves speed. And I yeah. think these days, you know, if you're the first salesperson who makes contact, you're more likely to get the sale, as Graham was saying. And... In the this internet-driven world now, that speed has increased. I think mm -hmm. so. The faster you're in there, the yeah. ma you know you're maximising your chance of influence. Yeah, I think um, in recent years you could argue that speed is now as much a part of the marketing mix as yeah. is the product or the pricing or the distribution or whatever. <clears throat> yeah. Speed is a competitive weapon. And, and there was some research um, that I saw from Vodafone. Um, they did some research over a number of years, and it was about how long would you wait as a customer. So they interviewed customers. One of the questions they asked is, I think it was a, a printing company. Uh, if you phoned a printing company and left a message, for example, how long would you wait before you abandoned that supplier and went to another? And over the years, the length of time that people are prepared to wait has dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. And the younger the customer, the less time they're prepared to wait. It used to be days. It's now hours, I think, the last yeah. time I saw the data. 
it's going to be minutes, yeah. you know, and so therefore you need to be very, very responsive. First one in gets probably gets the business. We're so used to the instant world now that we can press a button and buy something and it, in many instances it can be delivered within the hour. Yes. So you can go to Argos and certain parts of the country with uh, Amazon, you want a product now, so you, you're used to being able to sit at home, sit in your office and get something almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so this immediacy, of so that's translating our experience online is we get what we want now. You want information now, you get it now. Yeah. In the past you'd have to drive off to the library, you'd spend hours to get less information. Now you get as much information as you want in an instant. You can buy a product in an instant. So people want you to sell to them in an instant. So some actions there about people about really needing to get really needing to get that sorted out. That's clearly not just a sales responsibility, but if you're a salesperson listening to this, you have to take responsibility for what you can. But also, if you don't think your organization's doing the right thing, Get them to listen to this episode and get them, your marketeers, to start to take the right action as well because it's only going to help you in your, in your sales efforts. So that's it from this episode of the Sales Chat Show. So it's been Phil Jesson, Graham Jones, and I'm Simon Hazeldean. And just want to wish you good luck and good selling, folks. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to an episode of The Sales Chat Show. To stream or download a host of further free episodes that will power your sales success, please visit saleschatshow.com. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. And from everyone here at The Sales Chat Show, we'd like to wish you good luck and good selling. (laughs) 